welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Daily Thunder, Knock a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A. R-Y-S-E dot com. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. Into the offseason, we are now uh, weird not having any games to talk about. Uh, back in the full swing of, of offseason basketball talk, I guess. Uh, still have a little bit of basketball going on right now, uh, but to talk about a little bit about that, a little bit about the Cavs. Uh, Dan and Amadou, how are you guys doing? Doing great, man. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. So I am in my room right now, and the window is closed so that there's not too much outside noise. So it's hot in here, but other than that, we're we're doing well. Yeah, um, doing well as well. Good to hear, as always. Well, why don't we start by just talking a little bit about the playing tournament overall? And obviously, we still have some basketball to watch, even if it's not Cavs basketball. Um, what do you guys think of the pool playing format? Obviously, now that we've seen it. Uh, it was a goal that Gavs were kind of working towards all season, obviously fell short. But uh, now that we've seen it play out, obviously we had some some bad examples of games and a great example of a game in the Lakers-Warriors game. I think, you know, the, the Spurs-Grizzlies game turned out well, too. Amadou, what are your thoughts on the playing tournament? I think it's something that the NBA definitely plans on keeping. But uh, did, did you like the whole concept of it? Did you enjoy the games? Did you watch the games? Yeah, I actually love the concept of it. Um, I mean, watching that that Warriors Lakers game yesterday, I don't know how you can say you don't like the idea. I feel like the only issue with the idea is when it, you know, weird scenarios like this where teams like the Celtics and the Warriors and the Lakers, those big market teams are, you know, having to play those games. You don't want those teams to miss the playoffs. But aside from that, I think it's a nice idea. I like it, and I feel like it's definitely something they should continue on. With. Yeah, and I think that is a good point. And you, you mentioned, you know maybe some of the bigger name teams missing out. But at the same time, I almost feel like there might be some situations moving forward where you have a nine or 10 seed who, you know, deserve to be in the playoffs who dealt with injuries. And that would be an opportunity for teams like that to get in. So either way, I'm, I'm totally with you. Just, I think any high stakes basketball that you can add to a schedule is good basketball, um, especially in a season like this where they shorten the schedule anyway. Uh, so it's not like in the grand scheme of things. And obviously being that they didn't have much as much rest, it's not like it impacts things that much, but 
overall, I guess I'm just saying I'm definitely a fan of it. Dan, what have you thought of all of them? Have you watched the games? Uh, do you like the concept in general? Do you want it to stick around? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely creates intrigue for the league. Um, and, yeah, I just think it's a way to, as you kind of touched on, um, a lot of teams that maybe have had uh, X amount of injuries to kind of find their way back into things. Um, and I, I think it's, you would imagine the league will keep it just from a um, financial uh, standpoint in there. That's a good point too. That you know, this is definitely going to draw revenue. I don't know exactly what the numbers were, but this was the Lakers Warriors game in particular was one of the highest rated games of the season. Well, you're always going to have rated. like kind of a a headliner of of oh yeah, absolutely. Four, you would think. Mm-hmm. Granted, it was a Wednesday, but you, you, you know, we're getting at. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a success. Um, and, you know, after the first the Pacers Hornets game, it looked a little bit shaky. Um, I, I still think any any winner go home game is worth watching uh, to me, but um, yeah, overall huge fan of it. And as Cavs fans, I guess we should be you know big on it too, being that this will be a team that may very well benefit it from from it rather uh, at least next season, maybe the next couple seasons. We'll just have to see. Um, giving them just a little bit of that extra cushion in the nine ten seeds, uh, giving them a chance to make the playoffs. <sighs> But anyway, I guess we can talk about the Cavs now. Um, weird stuff going on right now. Weird stuff. Um, kind of in a period of time where there's not a whole lot happening with this team. We're just kind of getting to the point now where uh, extensions are becoming a little bit more of a conversation. And obviously, we're still a ways off from even the draft lottery, let alone the draft. So, you know, there's not really a whole lot of draft stuff to do right now. Well, I mean, there, there is some, and we'll probably end up doing it. But... Um, not knowing where you're drafting complicates things, especially with the big difference between the top five and the, the rest. Uh, just, you know, the, the guys that you should be looking at. So other than that, it is just kind of extensions and, you know, possible trades that may be looked at this offseason, maybe possible free agent targets. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to get into today. Not as much free agent targets, uh, but extensions and trades, uh, particularly as far as the trades go with Colin Sexton. Um not something I think any of us really love talking about on here, but uh, reports from, I believe it was Terry Pluto, right, Dan, that said that uh, the Cavs may consider trading Colin Sexton, basically. Yeah, he said an NBA exec suggested the Cavs could consider that because it's a salary cap crusher to pay Allen and Sexton both long-term contracts over $100 million. And I think... One thing that you should be considering is that it is anonymous executives saying this. And, right. you know, always take that with a grain of salt. It may mean something. It may not. I'm not, you know, dismissing it. But that's not – that's another front office's view of how the situation might be handled. It's not something that's set in stone. And it's not even anything that we know that the Cavaliers front office is considering. Spe- speculation at all, I wouldn't even no, say. No, no. But anyway – it's something we have to talk about, so we're going to talk about it. Um, I'll start with you on this one, Amadou. Obviously, I think we've all been pro-Sexton here. Uh, we all want Sexton to be a part of the future. Uh, we've talked about you know what extension numbers might look like with him, uh, how you may handle an extension. Uh, would a max be required? Would a max not be required? Uh, putting all that to the side for a second, would you consider trading Colin Sexton for any reason? 
I just want to start off by saying I, I always hate these articles that start off with NBA executive suggests those type of articles <laughs> just always they, they never make sense to me. I don't know why that's always something that's a big topic, but either way, uh, no, I would not you know suggest or consider trading Colin Sesson because I feel like you have a guy who in his third season in the NBA put up twenty four and four on you know nice efficiencies. Is your can, that can be your your guy, you know, franchise guy. He has just the the mold of someone who should embody Cleveland. I, I don't understand why, you know, you look to move him. Everything that we've seen from him and Garland have been positive. Well, not everything, but this season at the very least, it's been extremely positive. And I just feel like the team is just right there to being able to make that, you know, that playoff push. So why why take a step backwards in trading him for a player that may or may not be able to fill that void that's left without common sex. And I, I just, I, I don't really understand that. I think a lot of it boils down to, do you believe that Darius Garland and Colin Sexton can work together? Um, because if you believe that, then I think that there's definitely no reason to do so. But um, I guess what I was trying to say is, do, I, I, and there are obviously very there are two sides of the spectrum, and I know we all lean towards pro Sexton. Uh, but do you consider Amadou Colin to be the guy that like they should be building around right now, or do you view him as a piece? I think that's kind of a discussion that's being had with a lot of people, um, and it's kind of in the max conversation as well. And you can debate, you know, what you think his ceiling is. Uh, but should this team kind of be looking to build around him, or do you see him as more of just a? And, and this is just from a. You know, how does this team view him moving forward? How do they, you know, address paying him? Or do they address paying him? Or do they try to find a trade for him? Do you view him as, like, a... Obviously, we talk about the core, you know, the core four on this team. Uh, Garland, Sexton, Okoro, and Allen. But do you view him as, like, even the guy out of that group? This is an interesting discussion. It's very tough because I think, you know, for the core four, you know, the top two are obviously as a currently... You know, Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. And I want to say this. I do believe right now Colin Sexton is definitely the better player. But I think that Darius Garland would be the easier player to build your team around. Just because, you know, he does have the scoring ability that we've seen this year. As well as the ability to play make and, and create for others. Whereas, you know, obviously Colin Sexton can do both. But the, the creation for others is obviously not on the same level as Darius Garland's is. Um... And with that said, I do think that, you know, probably Sexton is more of a complimentary piece than he is, you know, that main piece. And with, with Garland on the team, I feel like that's going to be the case moving forward because I think if you looked at Sexton as that main guy, first off, you probably wouldn't have taken Garland with that fifth overall pick, one. And two, Garland probably wouldn't be on the team right now. I just feel like all of this, and I hate bringing him up, you know, obviously because what has happened is it's said and done. But if Kevin Porter Jr. was still on the team, I feel like this discussion would be a lot easier. But unfortunately, it's not. So long term, I feel like if you're looking to move Sexton, I, I don't understand why now. You know, I feel like you know the Cavs have a lot of momentum going into the off season. Um, it's a lot of positives, so I feel like we should just build on this and you know give it a couple more seasons. If it doesn't work by then, Sexton will be in like the the second, third year of his extension then you can maybe look to split the pair up or whatever. But as of right now, I I don't I, I just think we should just keep them both together. Sexton, just keep him in Cleveland. Well, I think the argument for trading him now is just because his value 
is at its highest right now, and it's probably never going to be this high, unless, unless obviously, he does take off. But you're taking that risk. Uh, I think that that is where the, the, the conversation comes from right now, especially coming into a draft where maybe you are considering another guard. Uh, before we kind of get into more of you know draft situations with the whole with the whole thing, I'm interested to hear where you're at with it, Dan. Do you kind of agree with Amadou to where uh, Sexton is more one of just the complementary pieces of the core rather than the guy? Well, I, I think he of is of the four is the best. Um, I think with the consistency he's shown. Um, the to me everybody I, I I shouldn't say everybody but when you're talking about like max dollars handed out like to me it, something that is is always kind of just kind of minimized for some odd reason um, is availability and he has I, that's always been a key positive for him um, missed 13 games this year but it was it, it's been kind of nagging stuff it wasn't anything major. Um, hasn't really had lower extremity issues where it's anything notable. Um, I, I think that's a key uh, in this conversation. Whereas Garland, I, I am admittedly like not really concerned, but somewhat concerned about his durability, like long term. Um, just because Colin is more put together, he's he's put the not that Garland hasn't worked on that. He has. He's gotten toned up. To me, he needs to gain. Honestly, ten pounds over this offseason really could do him some good. Um, to, yeah, to me, I'd rather keep him than not. Uh, I get the the trade. I guess you could say suggestion, whatever. Before he's a restricted um, eligible next year if he's not extended. Uh, but I just look at what he's been able to do in the somewhat. You could honestly say like chaos that's kind of been around him. Um, what he's been able to do with that is has been pretty notable, I think. And if with another draft to get another piece, I think it's going to be a significant piece. I think you get a guy like Jonathan Kaminga um, or a guy like Scotty Barnes. I think they, they could definitely get an impact defender. Um, or if you get Jalen Green and to me, then – Whatever, I mean, you have to figure it out from there, but I'm not trading him this offseason, absolutely not, because uh, I, I, I don't know what kind of stuff you'd be able to get back for him, and other teams are not. I, we don't know what other teams are going to be looking for um, or would give up for Colin. I, I, I'm not sure. I wouldn't trade him for a pick, personally. That's just my opinion, unless it's uh, – like, I, I wouldn't, um, but we'll have to see. Um, I, I just think, given that the Cavs are well positioned to get a high pick, um, and I, I think they have some pieces if they want to go out and get another one this draft, I think it's possible. Um, I look at that. I look at how they could potentially get a guy like TJ McConnell if they want to stagger um, them for notable stretches, or a guy like Frank Nilakina. I think both of the the other guards could fit with either of those players just how with how strong they are as defenders. Um, and to me, I, I if you have to give them a max contract to me, I uh, that's okay. Like I'd rather do it this offseason than next um, just to show that good faith um, for for kind of the team's dynamic 
uh, moving forward. I think to me, I, I Amadou, I get what he's saying about the playmaking, but to me, durability again is is I'm just being objective. It's a concern to me with Garland. And I think with Sexton, there are traits defensively you can build on. I think there really was notable growth from him this this season. Um, and especially when Larry Nance is on the floor, they, those two, like especially in pick and roll, do a really good job, um, feed off each other well. Nance really allows, like, kind of maximizes Sexton's transition abilities too. Um, and I, I just look at the – there's ways they've been able to – have success um, based on the lineup manipulation. They it, people don't understand. Like just because te- guys are labeled starters does not mean you're playing them every minute of the game. That's what is really irritating with this conversation to me. Um, there's definitely ways you can stagger minutes. If the Cavs weren't so darn injury prone or riddled this season, they had a lot of good combinations going. Dean Wade meshes with both of these guys well um, in a pick and pop sense. Um, I, I, I need, I just would, if the Cavs traded him, like, we've touched on this over and over and over, you're, from a locker room perspective, to me, that's, that's a big problem. From a locker room perspective, and I think just, unless, and I mean, it, it depends on what the, the upgrade, t- yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I just, again, I don't know what other teams, because the narrative nationally is that Colin Sexton is, is just like chopped liver. I mean, whether we agree with it or not. That's kind of how it is. So I, I don't know what he's going to be able to get you. And there really isn't any way for us to know that. And, Dan, you had mentioned that, you know, you wouldn't trade him for just a pick. I'm curious. Is there, like, what would be the, the worst You would think it would have to would... be lottery protected that they would, like. Well, what they, I'm saying they, is. They couldn't get one what, or more than that, right? What I'm saying is, what would be, like, the lowest pick that you'd be willing to accept? Would you take the eighth pick in this draft for him would it have to be a top five no, pick even higher no. than that like what would what would be the lowest pick th- that you would accept i think it'd have to be three it's got to be Cade, mobley or green that's, that's it. fair i was wondering me, that, and i it. thought and it's i, a, I don't it's think a relevant team question is, yeah it's yeah. a relevant question i don't think that a team is gonna give that up but are you are you no, in the same boat there amadou yeah, definitely. It's kind of, it would have to be top, to be top three. three. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're into the, like, unless green slips to four, maybe, and you're in the suggs coming range, I still don't think that it's worth doing at that point. But um, I, I am in agreement there. If, if you offered a top three pick for him and you have the option to take one of those guys, then it becomes a very, very real discussion. Are there teams um, that you could see thinking Colin is, like, a get-us-over-the-top guy? Well, Let's look through some teams real quick. I'm like, going to pull up I'm the not, NBA. I haven't really I haven't thought about it either, but let's talk about fully, it. But I figure it's it's worth kind of mentioning. So let's look at just some teams in the standings that are kind of lower down who might end up with a top three pick. Toronto? Uh, Toronto. What would he do for Toronto? So there you're playing him with Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, uh, you do have Gary Trent. Because of Gary Trent. Gary well, Trent Jr. is still there, and you'd probably want to re-sign him, but you could make that a three-guard rotation. But would that be worth giving up Jalen Green for? I don't know. I mean, if you want to compete next season and be really good next season, maybe you do. I think he'd fit just fine with Fred Van Vliet. It's, I know it's, you know, again, two small guards, but I think Fred is good enough defensively to, you know, kind of minimize that. Uh, and overall, like that would be a team that would be getting that immediate talent upgrade over waiting for a Mobley or a Jalen Green. I think that could make some sense. Mm. 
Does that I, make I, sense? I don't and know. I don't. I'm. I, I'm not saying that like they would do it. I'm just yeah. saying like you can see the rationale mm-hmm. behind it in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, like honestly, I could see maybe. I don't know. Maybe Sacramento. Might maybe kind of entertain it. I, I. It's not. I mean, it's not certain, but it's a possibility. Like I don't know. Golden State. Maybe if it's a bench bucket. I, I don't know. Just, just a, just a spitballing comment, honestly. Minnesota has too many guys at that spot already. Yeah, uh, I don't yeah. think OKC would do maybe it. Maybe like Indiana. I don't um, think the. Yeah, maybe them. Uh, if Indiana maybe, gets the top three pick somehow, sure, yeah. Yeah, like I don't know, like Orlando has. Uh, Orlando they have, has. They have Cole. They have Cole. They have RJ Hampton. Marco Fultz. I don't think. Yeah. yeah. Detroit, I don't know. It's if, just not – it's just kind of like I, I don't know like what – what. there's no teams where it's just like a direct like you think. Looking at teams be, that are in the lottery like the Hornets even like aren't. And Right, yeah. But I, like what's – like I, even entertaining stuff like where it's – they could have like some rare shot of getting a very high pick. There's just not those teams. I don't know. The – Grizzlies, maybe if the Grizzlies miss Honestly, out, and they land a top three pick. I don't know. Yeah, maybe if the Rockets don't land number one overall pick, potentially them too. If KPJ is to be there, their point guard of the future, or whatever. <laughs> I'm sure Porter would love seeing Sexton <laughs> come back and take take his usage from. That'd be but completely mm-hmm. hilarious. It'd be that fun. Would be, It'd that'd be, be fun. full circle for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I guess what I want to get into next is, and I think we're all in agreement that. One, it's hard to say right now that you absolutely wouldn't trade him for anything just because we don't know the packages that are available. It's yeah, hard to yeah, gauge yeah. the league's interest in him right now. And, like, on top of that, you just don't know who what guys are even going to be available, you know, at certain times. We have a whole, you know, playoffs to play out that's going to affect how teams view their guys. And it's just, it, there's a lot that has to happen before we can really even get into the idea of entertaining that. Uh, but looking just kind of into next season for how this team may view him, say this team does draft Jalen Green, which, again, we've, we've talked about Jalen Suggs. I just don't really see that as a super high possibility. Uh, I'm not going to rule it out. I, I think, again, it's far too early to rule anything out. But I just want to focus on a guy like Jalen Green in this situation. I guess you can you can kind of apply the same to Suggs, but I'm just I'm going to use Green's name. Um, I just want to make one quick point also. Sure. Just, just quickly talking about Sexton once again. Um, another reason why teams may be hesitant is if he is to sign an extension, next year's free agency is supposed to be crazy. So I feel like that's another yeah. thing as to why teams would maybe not look to add a guy who's on a rookie extension or whatnot. But just, just continue on with your uh, – There is your always a chance that, yeah. And, and yeah. we'll see how that plays out. I, I saw the you know the report from mm-hmm. NBA Central. You know, it's going to be a loaded class. Yeah. It may or may not be. We never know how those things exactly. turn out. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, 2021 and 2020 were supposed to be crazy classes, and that hasn't really turned out that way exactly. Yeah. So it's just something that you have to wait and see on. But um, it is a, it is a valid point that if teams do want to preserve cap space for that, then you, you might not want Collins' max extension if that's what it ends up being on your books. Um, but anyway, kind of getting back to the point I was making, say this team does draft Jalen Green. Um, I still don't think that that is enough – to drive you, unless unless a new front office is in place, and if a new front office is in place, who the hell knows what could happen? But um, if Jalen Green is the guy you take, and 
you now have Darius Carl and Jalen Green, uh, Colin Sexton. I think, and, and I talked about this with Mac, Mac Perry on his podcast. Uh, we had a conversation about this. But um, in the event where you do get that guy, I think the starting lineup has to be Garland, Sexton, Jalen Green, whoever you want to play at four, whoever's on the roster next year, and then probably Jared Allen. Um, I guess I'll, I'll go to you with this one, Dan. In the event that you draft Jalen Green, I think you have to start all three of those guards, at least to start the season, right? Yeah, we've kind of hit on this before. Um, just the you can say whatever you want about the defense. It, it there's going to be some. It would take time to gel. I'm not saying it wouldn't, but the three of those guys on the floor um, with their on and off ball abilities, um, all are def. I would say definitely floor spacing threats. I mean, Green will have to prove it a little bit, but he's made. Real strides as a shooter over AAU um, has like just creates space like at will. Uh, I mean, it's it's Porter like in that way, um, and I just I just how threes would handle Jalen Green. It, it it you think like their head would explode, um, and those three on the floor at the same time. At least Green is a, honestly further, much further along as a passer than Colin was coming in, like way further. Um, has a again, his handle is ridiculous too. Um, so that you factor in those three, and then you have Jared Allen in the dunker spot. That in itself is causes a lot of headaches. Yeah, and I, I don't have any doubts that it would work on offense, uh, but. For a team that is kind of again, whether they deserve well, to be or not, well, from there you can fi- you can figure out lineup manipulation throughout the game. But to me, like you, you just play fast and you you honestly just you ball pressure all over and and you do you you manufacture in half court traps and if guys get foul trouble, they get foul trouble. But I, there's ways you can definitely be disrupted with speed. Either way, though, I think that you you. I mean, you, you have to agree with me, Dan. The defensive end would still be a concern there. I mean, even oh, if no the doubt. offensive works Absolutely out. Absolutely not. Like, even if the it, offensive it, end yeah. works out great. Like, I think that oh, there yeah. are – I mean, there are legitimate concerns about Garland and Sexton together. If you're going to put Jalen yeah, Green and sure. start all three of them, and yeah. that probably forces Okoro out of the starting lineup. Well, again, to me, I, I would personally start Okoro off the bench to begin – or not, not Okoro, if, I'm sorry, in that Green. Event. Green. Oh, you, start, okay, so you would, would start, start Green off the bench. No, okay. I wouldn't, but to me, he's a guy that you can play t- – 28 minutes a game anyway. Sure, yeah. Like, but like if you're looking at starting and closing lineups, like, okay, so look at the oh, closing, closing lineup. Who's going to be... Well, closing, you can you go with who's hot and how the game is progresses. But... So are you going to bench Sexton if Jalen Green is hot and you don't want to take Darius Garland off the floor? Well, are you going to bench Sexton in, in, in bench, crunch time? I'll bench... Yeah, I mean, I'll bench guys if... If TJ McConnell's running at the one and he's playing well, I'll bench Garland too. Like... To me, closing lineups are things like decided by game flow. It's not that that to me is fluid. Like if you have to sex, if you have to bench Sexton, you bench Sexton. It's fine. Like to me, like you don't have. It's not LeBron. Like we don't have any players like that that are just guaranteed in the closing lineups. But so, it is a max player. Well, it is what it is. I mean, he's. You have to tell him that in the huddle. I don't think Colin is going to be a guy that's 
not going to be receptive if a guy's feeling it. That's just how it is. Maybe if he's feeling it, but this I, I feel like if, in the event that you have Green, even if you want to start Green off the bench, which I'm not sure they would do. Um, I'm not I sure think, they would, but I think you have to initially, and you got like I think getting Okor when they're in the starting lineup. Games. Yeah, I, and I think that's fair. But if Jalen Green gets into a groove and he ends up being well, you can a guy, put a Coro, to me, you can put a Coro at the four. Uh, can you? Can you put in a Coro close, at the in four? Clo- in closing lineups, you can absolutely put a Coro at the four. Yes. It depends on the closing lineup. I, I want to hear where I want to hear where you're at on this Amadou. Uh, just with that fit, um, with a guy like Jalen Green, do you think that? You could play them all. Do you think you could play all three guards together? Do you think Okoro could fit with all three of those guys? Uh, do you think that they should or would start? Uh, where, how do you see the um, the closing lineups working? Do you, are you kind of with Dan to where it's just whoever's hot that night? Or do you think that it would have to be more of a set thing? I think the closing lineups, it just has to be the three of Garland, Sexton, and Green. Those three offensively to close games is just, it's so hard to stop if you're opposing uh, teams. But on the topic of do you start Green day one, I'm, I'm not sure. Honestly, I don't know if Green is coming in and, and he's your small forward day one. I feel like, what is he, like 180 something? Basically uh, 180. Yeah, 180. I, I, I just don't know about that. I feel like he should come in and be a, a two. And then you can mold him to being that, you know, that starting three for you. But to start off, I feel like I'd like him to come off the bench because at, at the very least, you know, it isn't, you know, the crazy pressure that you have. Because, I mean, if you're starting him, you're asking him to do a lot. I'm, I'm thinking you're asking him to do a lot either way. But him coming off the bench um, and playing, you know, staggering those those Sexton and Garland minutes, I feel like that, that's, that's kind of perfect. Like, you know, what the Cavs do when they bring in like a like a De La Vidova or sometimes even Osmond to to substitute one of uh, Garland or Sexton, I feel like if that's Jalen Green instead of them, that's that's a lot better. Looking at, at closing lineups, Amadou, uh, you mentioned that you would want all three of them on the floor together. Um, in that event, do you trust that team defensively to hold up? Uh, do, you, do you put Okoro in there at the four in those situations? I think it's matchup dependent, but do you trust Okoro to play like regular power forward minutes? Uh, I'm personally a little bit more hesitant on that. Again, it depends completely on matchups. But how do you feel about that? And do do do, do you trust that lineup defensively to close games? It'll be tough. I feel like Sexton and Garland are better defenders than a lot of people give them credit for. Not not you know crazy. I'm not saying you know they're world renowned you know elite defenders, but I feel like they can hold their own in certain matchups and such. And same to agree. Like Dan just said, you know, having speed can definitely help you in regards to defense. So that's my point. With Akora, I don't know if I'm going to regularly playing out the four. I mean, it's it's already a stretch playing him in the three as it is. So pushing him another position down is just, I, I don't think I could do that. Dan, make your case. Well, I, I'm not saying I'd be putting Akora at the four a lot. Um, I think it's just more like you can have a guy um, like a Nance there at the four. Um, you can throw in – it depends on matchups. Like that's the thing is there are not many teams where they're actually like funneling offense through five. So that position honestly offensively does not ma- – like defensively is, does not matter much. And there are a lot of fours that are like, like volume shooting, three-point shooting fours that are – 
more so off-ball players. There are not many fours that you're really featuring a lot on the ball. And you can you can trap guys, you can force things out of the corner. And I just think at the other end of the floor, it's it's very difficult to guard those three without fouling. Like it's very difficult. And that that's like it's just kind of there are not many teams, quite frankly, that are built defensively at the end of games. Like they they're not they're not playing that way. They're not like they're factoring in like which five guys tonight do I trust to score the basketball? Like that that's that is today's league. And if you get threes over twos, which with that with those three on the floor is gonna happen pretty often because of the gravity they have on the ball. Like you can figure it out. Jared Allen will help you. And if you gotta foul guys that are non shooters to get one point instead of two or three you can manufacture stops that way. And just with how today's league is, to me, when you're a team like the Cavs, you struggle offensively down the stretch and settled offense. You need guys, They need to push the pace more in those situations. And that is that was glaring This when Nance was not healthy. They didn't have that capability down the stretch. Like, love in there does not bring that. And... It, it I've quite frankly crippled them at times down the stretch. So um, that's more what I'm thinking. And I, I just think when, if there's a guy like Jalen Green on the board, it's, it's kind of difficult to not strongly consider his, uh, honestly, just gravity as a scorer. And I'm totally with you. Like, I think if Jalen Green is there and you're picking, let's just say number three, I think you undoubtedly take him. Um, you know, assuming I, that, let's say, Mobley say and whoever, you know, cater off the board. I will say the one thing, though, is Kaminga is, I think he's the youngest player in the draft as well. And he's got real, like, the shooting, it was a 13-game sample size, but shot much better in AAU. Um, the stroke actually looks far better than I think people give it credit for. It's actually, like, he's got a pretty quick release, got a high release, um, that that's a, I mean if they took him at number three I couldn't honestly blame him either because he's so physically strong and gifted um, and defensively to me like he's a one through four like not lockdown guy but he's he's a pro, he's about as capable as a, you're gonna get at that position and if they, like it it's there's kind of the debate between him and Green but it, it it's hard for me to lean. I kind of go back and forth on it, um, but I do question though. Like, if you get him, you you to me, you cannot start him. Like, it, honestly, I wouldn't start either of those guys right off the bat. There are actually few guys in the draft that I probably would start in this draft. Like, there's the the ceiling is very high for a number of guys, but I, it's they they're better off this next season. I, I'm with Hamdu, kind of bringing guys along. And I, I do kind of hope that they do that unless they get those two. That's fair. And I think looking long-term, Kaminga is definitely easier to fit in next to these guys. I mean, guys he's got, like, PG capability, like, to mm-hmm. on both, on two, is a two-way player. Yeah. So I'm just going to ask this. Looking kind of back at Colin, can, you know, with how a third guard might, you know, mesh with those two guys. Uh, and I'll start with Amadou. Amadou, you believe that a... Like, you believe in long-term having a three-guard lineup of Colin, Sexton, Darius Garland, and Jalen Green. You think that that could work? 
if Jalen Green is able to add some weight, I definitely think so, yes. I feel like height is kind of, I don't want to say it's overrated now, but it is. We've, we've just gotten to a point where the NBA is just so positionless that I feel like, you know, this, this talk about certain players not fitting due to the height, I just don't really understand. Unless it's, you know, like cases where, I don't know, like Isaiah if Thomas is like starting five, to walk eight, yeah. Like, yeah, if you're not like 5'8", I, I still don't understand. Because we have multiple, multiple examples of teams, you know, with these short guards. They're still functioning. I mean, the Raptors won won a championship with Lowry and Fred Van Lee. Obviously, you know, different scenarios. Those guys are much, much, much better defenders than Sexton and Garland are. But in it, we've had cases that we've seen it works. I'm with you, to be honest. Like, I, I do think it would – like, even if you take Jalen Green, I think you definitely have to try. And I think it would – there's a very good chance that it would work out with those three. I just – it is worth asking. And when you look at when, – when you see a report like this talking about, you know, Colin Sexton, you know, potentially being traded, it just – it leaves me looking for reasons why. And that's one of the better ones that I can come up with, even if I don't fully agree with it. But, uh, Dan, you're kind of in the same boat to where you think that, you know, those three guys long-term together could work. Yeah, I just think there are not there are just not many teams that are built on defense in today's league. And yes, there's going to be. Are, could you have issues with like the top X teams? Sure, um, but this team is, is is just very devoid of just honestly pure buckets. And if you like, just the 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 polish of Green um, and the explosiveness, the athleticism. I mean, for a guy that is is more so painted as like finesse, like he finishes with authority as well as anybody in the draft, and it, like he doesn't shy away from contact. Like even though he's skinnier, he he finishes over people like pretty well, and it's just it, when you have a guy like that, just his presence just makes other guys around him way more capable, and it just opens up x amount of possibilities and. Again, you can find these complementary pieces like a like a Dean Wade would fit with guys like that so so well, um, and you have these bigs like him, like Nance, um, Isaiah Hartenstein, pick and roll would be intriguing. Also, such a good passer um, that like you're not going to be like to me you're you're not playing like it, it's not like you're making substitutions throughout games based on game flow and. Again, a guy like T.J. McConnell, I think, could fit in three-yard lineups with it, giving Garland a breather. Um, there's a number of free agent targets. Uh, the other question I do have, though, um, I was talking to um, one of our writers, Billy Beebe, on a podcast yesterday. Um, it's kind of an alternative, um, just as like a trade. Maybe you say you get like a combo forward slash big in the draft. Um, another guy that's kind of an alternative um, to me, is I, the Magic were rumored to be interested in trading Terrence Ross near the deadline. That is a guy that I'd be like hunting if you possibly can. Um, he's kind of in the same mold as Jalen Green. is is kind of more put together, but it's kind of a similar concept from a three guard lineup standpoint. Um, that I think could also be maybe an alternative. Um, and maybe you pair a guy like Torian Prince, given that he's on an expiring deal. Um, in like two twos or something like that. Um, that'd be something I'd be considering as like an alternative conversation as well. Um, but yeah, I, I just think with green, there's the talent is just undeniable. 
Um, and to me, I'm kind of with Hamadou. I think height is kind of an overrated thing. There's a lot of guys that have like notable wingspans where they can make up for it anyway. Um, and if you're a sound team defender, that can that those sort of things can be taught over time. And to me, it's more so about like like strength. Like like he needs to get more put together in the lower half. Like that's that's very clear. But again, in NBA weight rooms, like he can put on like if he puts on 15 legit pounds over X amount, like he'll be able to learn how to deal with bigger guys. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And obviously, I don't expect Garland to ever be a good defender. But you, you talk about just being a solid, you know, positional team defender. I think he can get to that point. His defense um, actually, like the team defense was like actually really flashed yeah, last year too. Yeah. And, you know, we saw a lot of growth from Colin this year as well. Uh, and, I, again, I don't ever know if Colin's going to be, like, a really, really good defender. But just with the amount of growth that we saw from year two to year three, uh, and you, you have to be expecting another, maybe not that big of a leap, but continued progress from him on that end to where, you know, he can become a respectable defender. Uh, and, again, I think the offense would be so explosive to where it would work itself out, I think. Um, but... At the same time, it's just like I said, it's finding explanations as to why, as to why maybe you know a trade could be rumored, and we know that. I think we we believe more in this pairing, uh, just looking at even Garland and Sexton, than a lot of people do. You know, I mean, you mentioned Dan that some people might view Colin as chopped liver in the media, at least. Um, it's just it's difficult <laughs> Jason to gauge. Lloyd. Jason Lloyd, exactly. Um, it's just difficult to gauge right now, all of it, um, and it's just going to be something we have to watch moving forward. Um, and the situation that we've presented is a very specific situation where we draft Jalen Green or maybe Jalen Suggs. Like the the odds of that happening are very low, just based on our chances of even getting a pick that high. And if we do get a pick that high, that being the guy, there's you know four other guys that it could be. So, again, it's, it's all just speculation at this point. Uh, but I want to transition over to Allen a little bit, Jared Allen, who, you know, we continue to see the number of a $100 million contract. I'm assuming that would be a four-year deal, uh, which means that it would be four years averaging about $25 million. Uh, we've talked on here about, you know, the numbers that we might want to see from that extension. Uh, we've mentioned Clint Capella as one that, you know, might be comparable as far as, you know, abilities go. At the same time, Capella is, what, now 27? Or going to be 27 soon. Um, Jared Allen is 23. You have to consider age as well and just potential to grow as a player. But at the same time, I think we have all agreed that getting in the 25 range uh, is a little bit high. Um, You know, I I think I kind of said that that 23 starting amount would be kind of my limit. And, you know, assuming that that averages out over four years, 25 might come out to be the average if it's spring salary is 23. Um, so with that being said, I just want to know where you guys are at. I'm going to do, I'll start with you because I know that you were a little bit lower on the numbers, even in the 18 to, you know, even 17 to 20 range, uh, being more so what you would want to see. Are you comfortable with giving Jared Allen a hundred million dollars on his next contract? That's over four years, right? I'm assuming it would be over four years, yeah. 25 mil a year. I mean, 
I don't know. Like, just it's, I see all points because, like Dan touched on last time too, you you really do want some continuity with this team. Uh, you hate to see just constant, consistent changes. You you just can't build a steady franchise like that. But twenty five mil over four over five. Uh, excuse me, one hundred million over five. I'm I'm, I'm for that. Tour averages out to twenty million. Yeah, yeah that's million. that's I think something you feel more comfortable Definitely. with. But I don't think they're gonna use up a five year contract on him. Yeah, I just don't see that happening. Maybe if they, maybe it will. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I just don't think that's the plan. Do the Cavs even offer him a four year, a hundred million dollar contract? Like, do you think the Cavs number is that high? I don't know. I don't know what their plan is here. Uh, if they plan to wait for another team to shoot him an offer, if another team will shoot him an offer, um, again, we don't know what other teams are targeting right now. But um, I don't know. I, if that's just the number that you're going to give them out of the gates, that seems really, really generous uh, to me. At the same time, I just still think it'd be – we talk about continuity and stability. I just think he's too much to let go. Uh, if somebody offers a max contract to Jared Allen, honestly, let him have it. Uh, you're not giving Jared Allen max money. I just don't think that that's possible. But at this number, I just, I still, I, I'm not exactly happy that I'm giving him that much. But at the same time, I feel like it's just, he's too important to just let walk. I just feel like that would really, really be kind of a punch in the gut. Uh, and I, I would be willing to swallow a little extra money, personally, to keep him around if it came down to it. Dan, where are you at on that with, with Jared? Um, do you think, Dan, that – would you be comfortable with giving him that four years, 100? Is that something that you would feel okay doing? Well, I, I mean, it wouldn't be necessarily ideal. I, I, don't, I don't foresee the Cavs starting it there. Um, but if you have to do it, if, if somebody does offer that elsewhere, I think you have to do it. Um, and if you do both these sort of things with him and Sexton, to me, um, just given that the Cavs haven't really had a viable rim protector for a long time, it's something you have to do. And again, he just turned 23 and, and there's been flashes of floor spacing abilities, um, and just with how effective he is as a finisher, um, like when he's healthy is uh, just kind of like discounting like the concussion thing. Um, what he's able to do inside is it really meshes with other guys really well. Um, and if you have to do it, you have to do it. Um, I, I just think you, I, I understand it was basically a low first round pick, but you did give up one for him. And just to me, like, you're kind of like, what was the point in doing that then? And and how are you going to, I guess if you replace him, it has to be pretty much Evan Mobley. That's, that's about it. And I still think him and Mobley could honestly coexist pretty well. Um, and if you take, if you do that with him and you take Mobley anyway, and you eventually trade Allen down the road, then you do it. But I, I would in this sense, I would I would do it more so than not, um, just because I think that would really be a blow uh, to your team if you, if you don't. I, I'm totally with you on that. I think, I want to say too with Evan Mobley, I 100% believe that coming out of the gates at least, like his best position will be the power forward spot right away. 
Uh, and I would have no problem pairing those and two together. And he played it off yeah. at, at USC yeah. anyway. I would have no problem pairing those two together. I think they would work well together. Um, I, I guess just to kind of wrap up the Jared Allen discussion, um, would, would you feel kind of comfortable in the same way of playing those two together? I think, I don't know, I just think that the, their skill sets complement each other. Um, and, and you make a good point, Dan, is that maybe if, if Mobley really develops in that way and puts on weight and, you know, proves to be a long-term five, down the road, if you have to, you can look to trading Allen. But I think, at least to start, those two just work together so well. Yeah, definitely. Also, like you just said, I mean, as of right now, I don't think, you know, Mobley is fit to play the five position. He's just too skinny. Um, their games do complement each other. Um, it's going to be up to Mobley with his, his spacing ability. How good is it? But I, I'm, I'm confident that it'll be, it'll be solid to start off. Jared Allen is just, I don't know. I, I didn't see this coming with him. I did not see this type of money think, coming. Yeah, I think that we're signing. I think that we will. Um, but just even after yeah. the kind of, again, not that he had a terrible finish to the season, but not someone who really, you know, I, I don't want to say he finished the season poorly, but didn't finish the season as strongly as he started it with his team at least. Uh, and I, I fully expect him to get back to that point, but that doesn't help him in negotiations. And for that number to just still be as high as it is, um, is yeah, a little bit fair. surprising to me. That's all. Um, before we go, I do just have one more thing I want to talk about. Um, we had mentioned it a couple of episodes ago uh, when we did it with, with Zach and the three of us, uh, talking about just different love trades. And the one being that was, you know, I, I believe suggested at least by um, a Houston, I believe the Athletics Houston beat reporter. I don't even remember the name. But um, basically just suggesting a wall for love swap. So Kelly – oh, is Kelly I believe it's Kelly. I think that is it, yeah. Uh, that initially kind of suggested it and threw it out there. Uh, I, I, again, I kind of mentioned it as something I liked, at least the thought of. But as I dive more into it, the more it really kind of makes sense to me. I just kind of want to talk about it a little bit. Um, obviously, coming into next season, John Wall – well, first of all, we should say that they both have contracts extending out the next two seasons. Uh, John Wall has a player option in the final year. Kevin Love doesn't. Uh, so maybe there's a chance that John Wall opts out. I don't think that there is. But there's always a possibility there. Um, looking at it, John Wall makes about $7 million more next season. That gap increases more so the second season. So the Cavaliers are taking on money here. Um and I guess the incentive for Houston to do it, if you can structure the deal right, is that they can get off of some money. Um, and I guess I just want to start by saying, or start by asking, rather, Amadou, um, and I guess we had talked about it a little bit already, but as you've had more time to think about it, um, have you warmed up to the idea of maybe having a John Wall in Cleveland over Kevin Love right now? Do you think that having those three guards could work? I think, you know, do you bring John Wall off the bench? Do you think John Wall is comfortable coming off the bench? I'm just interested to hear where you're at with that. Well, first off, there, there's three questions that I feel like really have to be answered here. It's, is it just a straight-up trade, for one? Two, how likely is it that John Wall is going to accept coming off the bench? Because I feel like on the Cavaliers, it's, he's definitely going to have a bench role. And three, do we have an immediate replacement for... Kevin Love. And I think those are three big questions. Now, warming up to the idea, 
those questions really just it's it's tough because I think I don't think we have an immediate Kevin Love replacement on the on in on the roster currently. I'm just gonna be up front. Um Dan actually talked about we talked about this uh in the podcast with um with Zach, yeah. Zach, yeah, talking about just Larry Nance. Is he someone who can hold up for a full eighty two game season playing thirty minutes a game? I don't know. I don't think he's played. I, I actually wrote about him in my, in my previous article. He hasn't played over, I think it was 66 games in any of these seasons ever. He, he's a guy that we always know will have these injuries, such and such. I don't know if he can hold up. Dean Wade, we talk about, he doesn't really look like the top. He just isn't a replacement as of right now. And I mean, there's obviously the draft and there's trades potentially and all that, but I'm not sure. And John Wall is making 40. Are you going to pay a six man $47 million? That, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money paired with Colin Sexton's potential extension, paired with Jared Allen's potential extension. I guess I, I do understand that point, Amadou, but what I'm, what I guess what I'm trying to get at is obviously, you know, is the answer to do you want that much money for your six man? The answer is no. I think that that's pretty obvious. But I guess my question is, is it a better alternative than what Kevin Love is right now? Um, I think this is more so than like making a value play, like a good value play. It's just trying to get as much out of this bad situation as you can. Um, personally, I feel like John Wall has more in the tank. Obviously, it could be a complicated fit. But when you, when you mentioned that point, do you think that having John Wall is a worse situation than Kevin Love? Honestly, probably. Just because I don't know if John Wall will have a bench role altogether. I, I mean... That, it definitely hinges on that. That yeah. is definitely, like, that's the deal breaker, is yeah. if he's willing to accept that. Yeah, and also it's just, I might still be in the minority here, but I think Kevin Love still has a spot on the team. I feel like everything that's happened with him has just been frustrated, frustration Excuse me, out of the team losing. I feel like if the Cavs are able to add, you know, better pieces around, you know, our core guys, I think winning fixes all. And I think, you know, just... He is, he's 32 and injury prone and stuff like that, but when healthy, I mean, you talk about a guy who at the power forward position, excuse me, power forward position, excellent rebounder, great floor spacer, uh, nice playmaker. It's, it's just tough to just give that up for a guy who we don't even know if he will accept the role that he's envisioned to be on the team. I just, I just don't know. Like, like I said, if we're getting assets back alongside John Wall, sure, I can understand the trade, but just straight up, a, a one-for-one swap, I I don't think I'd do that. Well, it should also be noted that you can't do a one-for-one swap. Uh, it would have to be including something else. Uh, now, now, what that other piece would be can be a topic for debate. Uh, sending like Damian Dotson just makes the money work if you want to guarantee his contract. Um, and, and you're taking back in that situation about $7 million, like I said, so that's something you have to weigh, like, do you want to do that? Um with, you know, other extensions kicking in, do you want to, you know, be a taxpayer team? It depends. It depends on what, you know, Gilbert wants, what he's willing to do, you know, how much better it makes the team. Uh, you could also go in the direction of, say, Dylan Windler if you want to. You could go in the direction, if you want, if you don't want to spend that money, you could go in the direction of Torian Prince. And that makes the salaries a little bit more even as far as, you know, money in, money out. Uh, you could even do Jetty. I don't know if Houston would want to do Jetty. The thing is, I think the incentive for Houston to do this is basically just to lower their cap it. Um, you know, I think John Wall doesn't, and this is just my personal view, 
But John Wall doesn't really do much for them at this state, just because this is a team that isn't really looking to win that many games next year anyway. Now, I'm not just saying they're going to be tanked from day one, but they're not looking... They're, they're not going to be a playoff contender in the near future. So, does having John Wall... Is, does, is having John Wall that important to you? Um, and if you're in the camp of Kevin Love can provide more value as a player than John Wall, then I think, you know, clearly you don't do this if you're Cleveland. I am personally in the camp of John Wall, even even if Kevin Love is healthy. Uh, I think both of them have legitimate injury concerns. And if you want to make the case that, you know, with John Wall's injury concerns, do you want to pay that much money? Or do you want to pay that much more money for another guy who's an injury risk? But I think if healthy, and if even in a limited role, if he is coming off the bench and is a guy that you can convince to take that limited role and decrease his minutes and preserve his body, uh, I think would definitely, again, this is just me, would definitely be more um, impactful on the game than Kevin. Um, and you, you look at the power forward spot at that point, um, obviously it depends on what they do in the draft. If they get a guy, if they get a Kaminga, if they get a Cade, if they get a Mobley, I think you're good enough at that position. And even if not, I think at least for a year, um, if you have to make it work with Larry Nance, or if Tarian Prince doesn't get dealt in that deal, uh, with him, with Dean Wade, with Lamar Stevens, if you want to try Okoro at the four in some stretches, um, if you find another guy at that position who you can play there, I think you can make it work well enough at the power forward position next year, even if you don't have a long-term answer there. So that's just, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, you going to bring honestly, back it, Billy Preston? Look, no. Not, <laughs> um, not in the bring back Billy Preston camp. But um, anyway, I mentioned it here. Can we get K.J. Martin in a deal too? Shoot, maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. I think Houston likes him. But yeah, no. anyway, I think those are kind of the three main points, and I understand all of them I'm going to do. And I think, like, I'm not saying that I completely disagree with you here. Even I, I, I partially disagree with you, but I completely understand all three concerns being, does John Wall want to be here? Um, if, if no, that's a deal breaker. Um, and everything else, you know, Left a. How, how does that leave the power forward position? You know, who do you value more as a player? Uh, what other pieces are you sending out? All legitimate questions. Um, I guess with with all of those, Dan, where do you kind of stand? Do you do you like the idea, or are you more against it? Yeah, I. I mean, you make valid points, but ugh, I, I don't think there's any way. Um, I just question what you're getting out of John Wall. I mean, he pretty much is a, like he, he's an on-ball one. That's that's about it. Really can't do anything else. Um, I think that'd be fine, though, as a guy who can come in and play like heavy backup point guard minutes. It's just that there's just huge injury risks, uh, concerns with him. Uh, I don't know what kind of buy-in he'd have at all. Like, And not that Love's always the most bought-in guy, but... He's a guy that's mostly a shooter at this point, and John Wall can't shoot. It's another guy you're adding that can't shoot. Um, I, I don't I, – defensively nowadays, not really used to be um, – not close. And it's just another guy that's that's a high usage. Like, you're going to need the ball in his hands, like, like he needs the ball in his hands to do anything. Like that, that the guy's pretty much a pick and roll, get downhill, drive, and 
it, some kick guy. He still has good vision. I'm not dying that, but to me, like I, I just I don't know what kind of how much impact in the game John Wall would have, and it's at least with Kevin Love, like in, like he does still help with spacing and invaluable spacing alone, and, and that's a good point. And I get it with Love, like there, there's frustrations, whatever. But this year, that wasn't really the issue. It was more so just like that. Like, it, it's not like there's the frustration within the team dynamic, it, which is right now is not the case. It doesn't seem. John Wall, I just, I don't know what kind of, I don't even know if he, like, to me, I feel like it, it'd be almost so bad, like, he'd want to retire. Like, I, I just have no clue what. Well, honestly, is, if he retires, I, that's a good thing. Because that money gets off the books earlier. Oh, he yeah. Can turn no, down his player I, not, option and get I'm that out, and that's that. a celebration. I'm not denying <laughs> that, but there's there's no way like he's actually going to not pick no, up that he's option. Not so to. he's not. I'm just joking. Yeah, no, I, I completely get it, but I, I just at this point, you I'd rather just keep love, and I'm with Hamdu. I mean, I think if he's here, he has a role. Um, again, I, I don't want to play him over like 26 minutes from here at all. Like, I, there's I just. That, from a preservation standpoint, is not – you're just asking for a lot. But with Wall, I, I don't know – like, it's not a guy that you can just plug out there for, like, 18 minutes and he's really going to – I just – that's almost more taxing because you're just basically having the expectation that he's just going to go out there and just kind of hunt shots underneath, like, inside. And just with the way he plays, it's just so taxing on his body – at least with Love, I, I obviously know he has a litany of injury issues, but or has had. But at least with him, he's more of an off-ball player. So I, I, I would lean no. There's just too many question marks for me, honestly. Yeah, the, the question marks. I mean, there's question marks with Kevin Love, but with John well, Wall, yeah, yeah. it's it, there's even more. I'm not sure that there are more. I think that you bring up some legitimate concerns. Um, Again, like I, I, I will continue to say, if the buy-in is not there, then this deal is completely. I just off think the table. that's a but, humongous if. Yeah, like, and that is humongous. a humongous if. I mean, it's at the a, same time, almost as much as any potential trade piece. Sure. Yeah. But at the same time, coming from a situation where he is in Houston, to where like you're literally playing for nothing next year, to come to an opportunity in Cleveland where okay, you have two clear guys who are like the future of this team. And I think that that's, you know, something that you can maybe explain to him that, like, these two guys are the future of this team, but we're still going for the playoffs this year. And you can still be part of a play in, a playoff push as, like, I won't say a key guy, but it's still, like, a valued member of this team as, you know, the guy off the bench. But I is, just think, I, I think, I, he, I don't know that you're going to get that buy-in, but I think there are reasons to believe that you could. But there, how is there any reason if, he, if he's going to be playing... What is he going to be playing? Seventeen minutes. Because he can't play. 22. Like he, you can't really play him as an off-ball player, like at all. No, but I think you could have him run the offense when Garland is on the bench. Even with when Sexton is on the bench, you may be able to play Garland and uh, Wall together. Some. I think he's just basically being your backup point guard, and like I'd way rather get TJ McConnell, like I, that that's, guy. I'd rather just keep Love and get a guy like TJ McConnell. That's just my opinion. If you can or, get TJ or McConnell. Patty, or Patty. Or Patty. If you can get them. If Heck, they're willing I, to leave their Honestly, teams. I'd rather pay a fairly team-friendly deal and, and get Frank Nielakio and just keep Love. That's just my opinion. Because John Wall defensively is not much anymore. 
I mean, he's, because of the injury concerns, like I'm not I'm not saying that the guy doesn't really try, but he pretty much just basically like hunts steals from guys beating him, and he tries to get it from behind. That's pretty much what he does. He's like, also he is nowhere Houston. close. <laughs> he's in, I know, but he's pretty much 25% of the defender he used to be. Sure. And if I think that's fair. You're playing that guy that many minutes and you're trying to get buy-in from him, a guy that's not even co- like remotely competent on ball defensively anymore because of the injury concerns and probably wanting to have lack of effort. Like that that's there's just not many not many sellers for me. I think like I said, buy-in and just the increase in salary that you're going to have on your payroll are the biggest deal breakers for me. That being said, I really hope that this at least gets discussed more. Um, and that's just me personally. I hope that... Well, that's you personally. Yeah, it's just me. I, I just... I hope that it at least kicks up some traction at some point. I think it would be fun. Uh, I, I, this I, is a, a movie I still made. believe in John Wall as a player, too, I guess. What were you saying, Amadou? I was going to say, this is obviously a movie made towards like the end of free agency, I would assume. I sure. can figure yeah. out what you know, pieces you're able to add and such. Because, mm-hmm. yeah... How the forward situation plays out in mm-hmm. the draft, who you can get in free agency yeah. if there aren't, you know, if you're still kind of looking for point guard options that at that point, you know, I mean, if that's, if that's an option to you, I think it should be considered. Definitely. I'd rather just start at that point. I'd rather just trade for like Corey Joseph and maybe give up like the Prince or something. That's fair. Again, if you can do that, I'd I love think to that get the line right, but there's no way. In. The Kings aren't giving up him at this point, not for Tarney Prince. But um, that's fair. I just wanted to talk about it. I figured, you know, I mentioned it briefly, but I wanted to get a little bit deeper into it. I just wanted to really get your guys' thoughts on it. Uh, like I said, I'm, I am still pro make something work there, but at the same time, I do understand both sides, and I think a lot of things would have to break right for you to even consider it. Um, with that, anything else you guys got to say? Uh, we're about 45 minutes away from Wizards Pacers here. Uh, any predictions there? Um, Honestly, I think I've seen a stat like in the three games that Westbrook has played against the Pacers, he's gone ballistic. I don't see a reason why that stops today. I, I, think, I think the Wizards are going to get this one. I think the Wizards are going to get it as well. I think, obviously, the, the Pacers came out and played great. I think that was as much as... I think that had as much to do with um, the Hornets just not being prepared as it did the Wizard or the the Pacers, you know, I'm actually just... coming out and playing well. Uh, and I think I don't think you can bank on you know super hot shooting from O'Shea Brissett and even Doug McDermott. I don't know if he's going to come out and play like that again. So I think the Wizards take this one. Um, that's my. Um. I'm going to be a contrarian and say the Pacers take it, but I'm just looking forward to hearing how uh, Charles Barkley uh, reacts to Ish Smith uh, doing his thing. Ish Smith played a great game. That is a guy, again, like non-shooter, I understand. I love Ish Smith. But I love Ish Smith. I like, would be a player, uh, pushes the pace. So fun to watch. Yeah. Like, he's always. got that, that high glass game, man. Somehow. Mm-hmm. Those runners are... Or something. And I honestly, to I trade just, for him. Yeah, that, that'd be good. I, I just, honestly, I just like watching the Wizards play just because of Robin Lopez's hook shot. That's it. <laughs> like, that's all, oh my I, God, that's all I'm looking for. And, yeah, the hook. 
Those things are impossible to block. Like, you can't contest those. No. And, like, I mean, in the possessions where they are, just kind of bogged down, just give it to him. Again, get, like, the three fakes and then the hook. It yeah. is, it is, it's enjoyable to watch. But you're going Pacers, Dan? I'm going to go Pacers 142 to 138. Mm. Oh, good Lord. You're okay. expecting a, in, in regulation? Shit. No. In overtime. I'm going okay. to say it's a hot takey and going to say it's an OT. Yeah. I'm going to take the Wizards in regulation 135 to 126. I'll say Wizards in regulation 121 to 112. Well, there you have it. Maybe in three uh, quarters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, with that, we will wrap it up here. Uh, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Amadou, as always, for hopping on. Thank you, as always, for listening. If you enjoyed, subscribe. Uh, leave a rating. Leave a review on Apple. And uh, with that, we will talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.